Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how are you? I I always say great, so I'm going to say excellent. Excellent. That's great to hear. Uh, We took last week off, uh, a little bit of a quiet week, and then... Actually, I guess technically, the you know, we always, this goes up every Friday. Uh, later in that day, the ESPN report came out uh, that Miami is hiring Charlie Strong. And, and there's been a lot of themes, I would say, of the early days of the Mario Cristobal era. Obviously, recruiting has been one. Um, the offensive line we have talked, or both lines we've talked about, both through recruiting, through portal stuff, through just obviously Mario's reputation and Alex Mirabal coming on as his first uh, hire. Um, I don't even know if right. you can call it a hire. He was there literally the day, like they were hired simultaneously. It kind of felt like, um, right. but I would say the biggest theme of the last couple of weeks has been this coaching staff that, uh, Mario Cristobal is putting together. Um, so far he has hired eight coaches, right? Um, eight plus really nine because McClendon, uh, he's had to hire two uh, wide receivers coaches, obviously, at this point, two different wide receivers coaches. And um, pretty much everyone has been like varying degrees of high profile. Um, you know, the last time we talked, we talked about the two coordinator hires, um, which was Kevin Steele and Josh uh-huh. Gaddis. And the fact that, you know, Gaddis won the Broyles Award last year. Kevin Steele has been a finalist for that award as well in the past. Um, and, you know, Gaddis kind of an Viewed as one of the up-and-coming coordinators in, in football, a guy who could easily be a head coach in a year or two. Kevin Steele, one of the most veteran, experienced uh, assistant coaches in the country, has also had experience as a head coach. And now Charlie Strong, like, really? Obviously, he's coming in just as a linebacker's coach, uh, as far as we know. That hire has not been officially announced yet, uh, but I saw, I guess, they team you know they've been putting out like videos and photos of them doing workouts and you could see charlie strong working with working with uh wesley besaint than one of them so obviously he is officially there working um but he's kind of the most ho- high profile guy they have hired other than mario cristobal obviously he's been a, a head coach at a bunch of pretty high profile programs at louisville he was like kind of really got that program rolling to the point where they basically have been for the last you know 10 to 15 years uh then he went to texas where mixed success and was out of there pretty quickly. And then USF, um, first of all, I mean, that was like kind of a stunning hire. He spent last year as the linebackers coach for the Jags, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't know. We've talked about with a lot of these hires, these are not necessarily big guys that have like been on the radar. Um, What did you think of that, that uh, Charlie strong hire? Wow. I was impressed. Yeah. (laughs) Surprised. I I think it's a great hire. Um, I think it's, really interesting there's a lot of different um you know uh issue i don't know if it's issues but like the relationships between them there's a lot of things you can discuss regarding you know the assistant coaches i think it's a great hire yeah um uh, and i personally like charlie strong i've talked to him a bit and he was very nice when i talked to him but um uh you know he's he's a good coach and he's a great recruiter. And I think that's something that Mario, I mean, it hasn't been a secret. He, he's, he's going for guys that are great recruiters and guys he thinks are great coaches, both, Um, which is a totally new, well, in the last 
several years, really, or a few years. It's been a, a kind of a new concept. You got to get the recruiters as much as as the coaches were back in back in the day. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how much we even thought that much about the recruiting stuff. Um, it was less of, publicized. You know, it still mattered, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, of course program. it mattered. But like, I mean, like, I, you know, I, there was a rumor what Curtis Johnson's name was floating around the other day. And obviously he's one of the great wide receiver coaches Miami ever had. Right. Um, but you know, he's also like the reason he's kind of a legend is he got Reggie Wayne to come. He got Ed Reed. Like, he, you know, those guys mattered. It just wasn't, like you said, quite as publicized. Right. And, and I guess that was before, for as far as I know, like the two four, you know, 24 sevens. Right. Yeah. There were like magazines and stuff. I think Rivals and Scout were around a little bit longer, but yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And now um, I, I like, it's going to be really interesting. I, I love Mario's staff. I mean, I don't know how you, you can't love it. Yeah. Um, it seems like everybody is strong everywhere. And you wonder, I was thinking about like a lot, a lot of high profile guys uh, coming here. Obviously they're going to be paid very well, right. they're being paid very well. So you wonder, um, I don't know, is this like a, a, a jumping off board, even though they've been, these are guys who have been in right. as, as high profile people, but are they using it as a second jumping off board kind of thing? Uh, you know, where they're going to go from here somewhere else. So they're not going to be around for long. I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen in the future. Right. So wonder about uh, their relationships with each other. Right. Um, Cause now these are a whole different group of guys um, so, uh, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they get along. Um, and if strong, if they have strong personalities, cause they're kind of right. big time coaches, if how they mesh and if any of them, I mean, Mario's definitely the boss, right. right? There's no doubt about that. He's the, he's the boss, but then how are a lot of these other guys have been the boss? How, I don't right. know. Just how and coming back to college football, like you're saying, Charlie Strong, um, it's gonna, you know, the the way they interact with each other, um, uh, you know, where they go from here is it will be very interesting, David. I, I also love the diversity. There's a lot of diversity yeah. in the staff, um, which is really nice, and I, I think it's key that they're great recruiters right yeah right i mean that's you know we we talked about it last time and i think it is kind of the story even more than mario is the the spending they're again miami's a private institution it's harder to get those exact uh dollar figures but it's obvious they're paying a lot more for their coaching staff uh than they were in the past and um you know it shows (laughs) yeah barry just and just like making a promise they would right Barry Jackson just wrote something, and he, I guess he sourced this, uh, that someone told him that uh, Mario has a budget of, I think, $8 million mm-hmm. for assistance. Yeah. So, and like uh, you said, there's some we know what they were getting paid at previous stops. So you can kind of like piece mm-hmm. it together a little bit. Um, right. But a lot yeah, of money. I mean, you, you look at like... You know, I, I hate to just keep comparing it to Manny Diaz, but like the staff he had last year where you were like, it was always kind of felt like, and I think you could probably say this um, about Mark Rick too. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. before then with, before I was covering this team is, it was, 
you know, there were some cases where you had a guy who was a great coach and a great recruiter, like Travis Robinson, I think is like the perfect example. But in a lot of cases, like they were recruiting guys, they were hiring coaches either because they were a great coach or because they were a great recruiter, you know, like Marcus Van Dyke, uh, who's still technically on staff, but, uh, although you've reported that he will be in a different role um, next year than the cornerbacks coach position he had. Um, you know, they hired him because they thought he had a chance to be a really good coach and he probably still does. He's still very young, um, but they knew he was a great recruiter. They knew he was going to be a great recruiter. So this is, you know, you look at the, let's just run through the names again. Now that we've got one more to add to the list. You've got Josh Josh Gaddis, who is the wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator, obviously. Well, well, they haven't, they they, they said he's the wide receivers coach. I can't remember. He's going to be the wide receivers coach though. Yeah, I think so. He has to be. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, Obviously, he is, uh, like I said, won the Broyles Award last year. Uh, Michigan regarded as one of the best coordinators in football. Uh, Young, also 38. Um, Quarterbacks coach, Frank Ponce, who kind of takes a lateral slash maybe step down job going from uh, being the offensive coordinator at Appalachian State to being the quarterbacks coach at Miami. Uh, You got Kevin Smith, running backs coach. uh, Ole Miss. Yeah, let me let me. Interrupt here. Quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator. Passing game coordinator, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be involved in game planning. Yeah, I do. Yeah, well, well, that's the point. We touched on it last week. Uh, yeah, we did. We did. I, I think I'll get to it when we finish this. But the like you said, the okay. diversity, not just of you know races and ethnicities and all that, but the diversity of ages, I think, is really important to note with this staff. Um, you got Kevin Smith, who um, another guy, South Florida guy, went to Southridge, regarded as a good. Uh, recruiter um, and obviously he's had a lot of success as a running backs coach also a young guy um, you've got Alex Mirabal as the offensive line coach Mario's right hand man uh, who's been with him basically everywhere I think literally everywhere um, no word officially yet on the tight ends coach Stephen Field for now remains in that position um, defense you got Kevin Steele uh, you know one of just like a, a college football lifer was a head coach for, at Baylor for a couple of years, uh, Broyles right. were finalist of, uh, in the past as a defensive coordinator at Auburn. Um, you've got and also a, a little uh, older, yeah, I yeah, like older him. guy, um, probably yeah. the oldest coach on staff, right? Or I don't know Charlie, I don't know Charlie Strong's age, but I would think Kevin Steele is the oldest. Um, you got Joe Salvea, defensive line coach, uh, came with Mario from Oregon, gives him a little bit of West Coast connection. Another pretty young guy uh, on that staff. Now you've got Charlie Strong, a I said again, just the linebackers coach as of now is what we know. Um, and will, you know, like I said, has been a head coach at multiple uh, colleges, including Texas, NFL experience, and a lot, a lot of South Florida ties. He recruited yeah, Taylor exactly. Water to Louisville, coached at USF. So he obviously recruited the state for, for a couple of years there. Uh, and then you got Jamil Ade, who comes over from Georgia to be the defensive backs coach. Um, another young guy in you know, well, obviously, if you come from Georgia, you have you're going to have a reputation as one of the best recruiters in the country. Um, that leaves technically two positions open, uh, depending on what Miami does with Stephen Field um, and Demarcus Van Dyke. Uh, like I said, currently remains uh, listed as the cornerbacks coach, but you have reported uh, will be moving into a, a different role next year. Um, so yeah, obviously, a lot of accolades coming in and and like I said I think the diversity of ages is really important because when you talk about guys who are maybe using this as a jumping off point 
like Josh Gaddis, like I said, could be a head coach somewhere next year or two years from now. Like that is obviously his plan. Um, but then you've got Frank Ponce, who has a lot of experience as an offensive line coach and is actually older than Gaddis, um, but not old. You know, I think he's 50, right? So, you know, he could easily step into that job when Gaddis, uh, if Gaddis was to get another job somewhere else. And then you've got Kevin Smith uh, as a young guy on staff. Stephen Field, if he sticks around, is pretty young as well. Um, on defense, obviously, Kevin Steele is an older guy. Who knows how long he's going to be coaching for. Right, um, right. You know, I think there was a thought when he was done at uh, Tennessee a couple of years ago, maybe he was done coaching. You know, if he's only coaching for three or four more years, um, you got Charlie Strong. Like, you know, I'm sure Charlie, Charlie Strong has visions of being a defensive coordinator again, um, whether yeah, exactly. it's in the NFL or, or college football. Um, and obviously and Joe Salve is young. Jamila Day is young. Like you've got. You got a nice ground there where you're ready, where you're well positioned. If guys are using this as a one or two year stop gap to before they get a bigger job somewhere else, you've got enough uh, other kind of younger guys who are still, you know, still growing as coaches. Um, and, you know, you can't get picky if you have a bunch of coaches who are going to be leaving after a couple of years. That's, that's what you want. You want to be developing coaches. You want to have coaches who are good enough to have other jobs. And obviously, Mario. Cristobal wants to win immediately. So you hire these coaches, you're in pretty good shape for the short term. And you worry about yeah, I agree. Them later. Yeah. I, I, I got to tr- trust uh, Mario with his decision-making on coaches. I, uh, Charlie Strong, by the way, is older and I thought he's 61. Yeah. So, but I, um, yeah, I just, I love the diversity in all ways. And like we discussed last time, and like you just mentioned also East coast, West coast ties. Yeah. So they're really covered kind of, and major, major programs. Uh, now let's see how the uh, relationship is between them, among them, among them. Yeah. So. Yeah. The only, the only guy on this staff who jumps from a non power five slash non NFL in Charlie Strong's case job is um, Frank Ponce. And obviously he's taking on less responsibility here than he did at app state. So there's not, you know, it, it, Miami forever has been in the position of trying to it goes back to Mario Cristobal too, has been in the position of trying to find the next guy, right. Whether it was Al Golden, um, even Manny Diaz, obviously uh, it was his first uh-huh. job, even though it was kind of a promotion from on staff. Um, you know, they're, they're not doing that anymore with this coaching staff. They're, they're getting established guys um, and putting together a, a, a really, like I said, a team that has a lot of accolades, a lot of experience and a big track record behind them in a way that no Miami coaching staff that I have been around. And obviously you've been around uh, multiple times longer than I have, um, but right. it's unlike anything they've had in, in recent memory. Certainly. I I've been looking, I, if you don't mind, I have like a whole lot of UM media guides Yeah, in front of me. And uh, I started covering the team just as a backup in, in 1995, but I'm looking, yeah, I can't find my 95 media guy, which is frustrating because that was Butch Davis's first year. But I, but you know, in that, that 1996 year, uh, interesting, Bill Miller was defensive coordinator. We have a lot of guys that were in the NFL and whatever, Larry Coker, offensive coordinator, Archie, several years. I noticed a Curtis, CJ, Curtis, Mm -hmm was wide receivers they had some great coaches yeah uh, rob chudzinski the guy's a genius tight yeah. end 
coach, of course, he, I guess he was a head coach for one year, maybe. I don't know how many years. Mark Kehoe, by the way, coach with uh, Mike McDaniel, new Dolphins coach in the uh, UFL for a couple of years. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And Greg Mark, a great coach and great. And a lot of these guys were, Rob was a, you know, UM. Right. Played at UM. Greg Mark, who's still around. Uh, now he's not in, a football coach, but um, great guy, def- great coach, defensive line coach, CJ. Um, Chuck Pagano was a secondary coach. Um, Randy Shannon mm-hmm. was a lot coach. Don Solinger. I mean, to me, you couldn't get better than Donnie Sol, the running backs coach. Um, that was in that, that first year. And then I, I, I was like looking at some of the other, like some of the other coaches yeah. when they came. Um, so I, I, I was looking at, so Larry, Larry Coker, you know, Butch was still in 2000. That was his last year. Um, yes. we, we got something I noticed, David, was they kept a lot of the same coaches. There was not a lot of people leaving. Okay, even when they did well, Greg Schiano was a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. thousand, right? Larry Coker was the offensive coordinator. Rob Chudzinski was still there. Vernon Hargraves, linebackers. Curtis Johnson was still there. Chuck Pagano was still there. Donnie Saul was still there. That's in two thousand. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's that's uh, multiple between Schiano, Larry Coker, both became obviously college football head coaches. Um, Chudzinski, was he ever an NFL head coach? I think he was at one point, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he was a, a you know, Cleveland, right? Yeah, he was Cleveland. And then yeah. and then 2001, which is the year they won the, the, their last title, right? You got Coker as a coach. Chud is still here. Chudzinski. Mm-hmm. Andy Shannon, defensive coordinator. Vern Hargraves, linebackers. CJ was still the wide receivers coach. Donnie Saul, still running backs and special yeah. teams. Dan Werner was quarterbacks coach, and then um, Mark Stoops. Oh, there's was, another yep, another college football coach, obviously. Yeah, and he Mark Stoops was a defensive backs coach for that 2001 team, right? No, that one's pretty good. 2001, that's a pretty good coaching staff. Yeah, that's really good. And then and then, sorry, but this is so interesting. Then you go to 2006, Larry Coker's. Oh, this is really fun. But 2006. Larry Coker's last year. Last year, right? Yeah. Rich Olson was offensive coordinator. Randy Shannon was D coordinator. Todd Berry. Todd Berry, where is he now? He's somewhere. Or he's, he might be. Look it up. You keep talking. The Coaches Association, like the national. Todd Berry is something, an executive director. Anyway, he was a quarterback's coach. And Clint Hurt was the assist, assistant defensive line coach. Clint uh, yes, he's the uh, executive director of the American Football Coaches Association. <laughs> and Clint Hurt was the assistant defensive line coach. He was just named the defensive coordinator. Uh, oh, yeah, we're, I saw that the other day. Seattle? I don't I, – okay, and then – Yeah, Joe Seattle. Pino, who went on to Alabama. Seahawks. And I guess who was the offensive line coach in the media guy? Uh, Mario. Mario Cristobal with a very young picture here. <laughs> um, Mario Manuel Cristobal. Yep. Returned yep. to this year when he was promoted to offensive line coach. Yep. So. Um, yeah. So that's the thing when you talk about best yeah, coaching staffs of I, all time, like you never know I, what it looks like until a few years exactly. later. Like that 2001 staff, Mark Stoops was up and coming. Um, exactly. Judd, and, Judd was established obviously by then, but had not like taken the step to. 
being an NFL head coach yet. This this staff, the way this staff is different is, you know, for college football fans, um, Kevin Steele, Charlie Strong have both been college, you know, head coaches. Josh Gad is a pretty much a household name, I think, to like most like even like kind of casual, more than casual college football fans. Um, and then, you know, then, then there's the guys like, you know, your, your casual college football fan doesn't know who Jamila Day is probably, but like. Um, right. Yeah. You know, well, that's the, that's the mix of the young guys and the old guys. Maybe that, maybe Jamila Day one day is, is Mark, is Mark Stoops from the 2001 staff, a guy who at the time, I guess he was famous because his dad was famous, but um, you know, wasn't, wasn't, what he became. Um, and that's, that's, what's fun about this Miami staff is they have the, the old guys who everyone knows their names and they've got, and then, you know, maybe Joe Salvea ends up being one of the great defensive line coaches. Who knows? Well, here's a good, here's, here's a good one. I, I I'm going to, okay. Randy Shannon's first year was 2007, right? Mm-hmm. We have Patrick Nix was the offensive coordinator. I have to look where all these guys are. Tim Walton was the defensive coordinator. Michael Barrow, a UM great. Patrick Nix was like the, Giant, he like he was in the NFL, I think, wasn't he? Michael Barrow, linebackers coach, Clint Hurt was still here, defensive line coach and recruiting coordinator. Wesley McGriff, <laughs> we was the DB coach. Uh, Marcus Mosley, Joe Panunzio was still here. Tommy Robinson, Jeff Stoutland, mm-hmm. guy, offensive line coach. And guess who the graduate assistants were? You don't know. I have no okay. idea. In two thousand seven. 2007, Randy's first year. Dan Shula. Ah. 23 years old. Six at University of Alabama as a grad assistant. This is 2007. First season as a graduate assistant coach at UM. He will assist the offensive coaches and the offensive line. And then guess the other one was? I have no idea. Stephen Field. Oh, there you go. So a couple. Stephen Field is in his first year as a grad assistant. He works with the defensive coaches, mostly with the defensive line. Field, 29, recently served as an assistant coach at Boyd Anderson High School, where he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He coached two seasons at Glade Central and Belglade. So that's interesting. Yeah. Was Ice Harris? Was that? I know eventually he was Mandy's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Ice was. He was like assistant to the head coach or something. I don't think. I just wrote that the other day. But that might have not been until two. Yeah, but not then. Let me see. Yeah, I, I think it was the next year. I just wrote it the other day because he's come, yeah, he, came back to Booker yeah. Here's another interesting one that you'll like. Um, let me see here. 2010. Okay. So 2010 was Randy's, I think Randy's last year as head coach. <clears throat> it was. And um, yeah, it was. His last year as head coach. So 2010, because his first year was 2007. Guess who the assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterbacks coach was for UM? 2010? Yeah, it's somebody we dealt with on an opposing team on the road this year. A very good coach. An opposing team on the road this year. Yeah, I think think, uh, the offensive coordinator on the opposing team. And he was the offensive coordinator for UM this year under – that year, 2010, under uh, Randy. I don't remember. Who was it? Pittsburgh. Mark Whipple. Oh, Whipple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Whipple. Well, Mark Whipple at that point, uh, yeah, he was offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. It was his second season. 
as an assistant head coach. Um, what was that? Oh, January, 2009. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. John Lovett was defensive coordinator. I, Aubrey Hill, uh, who died, I guess. Right. Yeah. Recently, a couple two yeah. years or two ago. Yeah. Or Aubrey, great guy. Aubrey was the <laughs> wideouts coach and Michael Barrow, Mike Cassano, running backs coach, Rick Petri, running backs. All these guys are like, I have no idea now. Yeah. Stoutland, which I don't know if he's, should look yeah. up that so, so I, I think a one is the gold standard probably when you look back on it which makes sense you know that's one of the great college football teams of all time um and right you, you definitely got some names here to stack up with it the question is always what do those young guys do and so there's you know there's, there's a lot of excitement obviously because of guys like like Char- when you know and anytime you oh, can you know, have hired charlie strong as a position coach you're in a pretty good pretty good spot to be but no i agree i know you're bringing it back to but i want to go back one more year okay all right I'm- back one more one more 2015 because that's the media guide i'm looking at <laughs> and that's the year that al golden got fired right so al was the head coach we all know who the defensive coordinator was okay um all right you like he who must not be named on the podcast yeah yeah something like that or yeah no d no d and Alfredo, whatever it is okay mm-hmm. Coaching staff. Let's see. Offensive coordinator James Coley. Um, and then the other one that was interesting. Well, Arkeho was brought back. Hurley Brown was in his third season. Um, Tim Harris. There you go. I Harris was yeah. a running back oh, yeah, coach. Ryan Max coach there. By the way, uh, Hurley Brown, uh, probably the best coach in high school football this last year. He led a Merritt Island team to the state championship that had absolutely no business being there. Wow, that's cool. Where he played against Roland Smith in Central in the championship game, and they were college roommates at Miami. Wow. Roland Smith, there's another. That's a good segue, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's the other name that's been out there. Not Nothing official yet there, but um, – uh, Well, yeah. It's been reported uh, both by 24-7 and by our Barry Jackson. Um, yeah. Um, Miami is eyeing him for an off-the-field role uh, to be – or any some sort of coaching role. No. Still, obviously, got a couple of couple of spots to fill. I would guess it would be off the field, but he could be but in the not, room potentially. Um, could be but obviously, that would be a big hire. I mean, he's the best high school football coach in the state, probably. Um, yeah, I like the idea, by the way, of of these teams, wherever, whoever, NFL, you know, college, going for high school coaches. Yeah, hey, you've seen it. It's been uh, biz. Uh, Busy year for that down here in South Florida, where you see, uh, you know, obviously we'll see if the Roland thing becomes official at some point here. Um, Pat Sertan, who'd been the coach at American Heritage and won a bunch of state championships there over the last few years, uh, goes to the Dolphins, uh, where obviously he was a star. Um, Derek Gibson, Gibson, who uh, led Killian to an undefeated this season, is now FAU's defensive backs coach. So, you know, you're seeing um, these South Florida coaches who – I think always kind of get underrated um, because everyone just talks about the talent down here. Um, a lot of those guys getting their shots at the college ranks, which is, which is pretty cool. And, and Roland, you know, he central is the, the machine cool. in the state right now. And obviously he's a, he's a cane and. Um, oh, it's such a great hire where, whatever. Yeah. I love it. I mean, because the high school coaches are so they've got to be so uh, motivated. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and Roland's been doing that basically since 
he graduated from Miami. He was briefly in a Dolphins training camp, um, got hurt, and been coaching high school football for like 30 years, 30 plus years. And, you know, not a whole lot of pay, as everyone knows in South Florida. Um, so, you know, he's, I mean, and he's built, he built Northwestern into a championship team and then he built Central into a, the juggernaut in the state. So, um, and obviously he is like a revered figure in the community that Miami likes to recruit. So, uh, that would be a big splash if, if we'll see what kind of role they, they carve out for him, but, uh, that can only help and well-deserved obviously too. For sure. Yep. Like that, I love again more diversity, right? Right. That's guys that were in NFL, guys college, got everything. Right, guys with all sorts of different backgrounds. Yeah, it's like we said, not yeah, just racial really diversity, cool. but it's also yeah, you got guys with different backgrounds, different ages, everything. So I wonder. I good one to add to the mix. I still, I still do wonder how. It just, I, it just depends. I know Mario definitely is a strong personality, and you know, wants to be in control, but I, I don't know how he is with his assistants. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how much leeway they have, how much, that'll be really interesting to see how that works out. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, uh, let's wrap things up with just a bounce around the rest of the athletic department. Uh, We'll start with baseball because they kicked off their season over the weekend, sweeping a four-game series with Towson. Um, You were out there. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. You were out there on Wednesday night to see them play FAU. Sorry. Um, What do you you think of uh, this this opening weekend of Miami baseball? Um, Very impressive. The thing is, it was very impressive. Look, it you, you can only play who you're scheduled to play. Right. Um, and, you know, Towson is Towson. Um, and, F, but FAU, like, I don't know how they're supposed to be this year, right? They were, th- they were three and one coming in to the game. They always have a good team. They have good coaching staff. They, they, they usually, well, I shouldn't say always, usually they have a pretty strong um, team with a lot of Florida guys. Uh, and I was impressed with Miami. Um, we're going to see as Miami, now that Miami's going to face Florida uh, not this weekend, they play Harvard and, and um, they're, they're hitting the ball all over the place. But again, it might be cruddy pitching. I don't, I don't know what they're going up against. A Fl- a Florida lost two games also. And they're interestingly uh, not also Florida lost two games and they were ranked ninth, I think in their opening series. But UM has really good hitting from first to all the way down. And then their pitching, other than 
Alejandro Rosario, who's their supposed ace, who's getting the Friday night starts, he had a, a really bad first game, um, gave up a lot of run, earned runs. Um, everybody else has been pretty brilliant, actually. I And this kid, yeah. everybody, and this kid last night, um, a true freshman, Carson Lagone, his name is, he, he struck out eight guys in five innings. His first start struck out eight in five innings. Um, he, he only he gave up two hits. One was a home run. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. That was, and, and then four relievers for Miami gave up no hits for the next four relievers over the next, like, however many innings, nine, you know, four innings. So it was, uh, they're so far impressive. They, they were not doing well defensively coming into this game last night. And last night they were flawless. They were really good. They had some really, really nice defensive plays. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's fun. I love going to UM baseball games. The, the, fan, I'm, the fans are insane. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The depth of pitching seems, you know, you know, you know the uh, pitcher who pitched for them on Wednesday, like you said, like true freshman. That's your fifth starter, basically, right? Like, usually you only have to use four guys. You should see his changeup. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, usually you obviously have four starters, right? You have three weekend guys and one midweek. Obviously, it was a four-game series over the weekend, so they had to dive even deeper down that pitching staff. And, you know, they got got some guys, it seems like, to mix and match. Obviously, Carson Palmquist, who is arguably the best closer in the country last year, now goes into the starting rotation. Kind of feels like he's going to be the Friday guy eventually for this team um he's definitely like they're kind of their top draft prospect and obviously was good on uh saturday when he made his season debut um, now he's given up some home runs i told i said he gave up yeah several home runs at the nls season he gave up another home run the other day yeah. but so they, they've got depth in their pitching and you know you always miami's obviously always gonna have talent at the plate and hitting a bunch of home runs over the weekend um yeah, it's it's definitely it's wait and see. I think what are they twenty fourth in the latest poll, which I think what they were uh, yeah. at the start well, the of the polls, year. So, yeah, the polls. Obviously, obviously, it's like everyone's you know Miami. Everyone expected Miami to be a top twenty five team. They look like it through the first weekend. The question is how how you know they obviously looked great over the weekend. It was encouraging, but um, you know you got to do it obviously against someone good. But hard to complain about a five and zero start where. Uh, you kind of took it to Towson for four straight games. So, yeah, good, and good really, yep, and great crowds, by the way. Great crowds. are. Great milkshakes, too. <laughs> um, basketball, also, uh, we don't have Michelle on this week. Michelle Kaufman are, are who covers basketball for us to, to talk, but um, obviously, Miami up to 20 wins, the, the men's team for the first time in four years. Uh, Blew out Pittsburgh over the weekend. They're sitting pretty to get a top four seed in the ACC tournament to give them a double bye. Um, feels like basically all about a lock to make the NCAA tournament at this point um, and still have that outside shot at winning the ACC regular season. Although Duke is, I'd be pretty surprised if Duke doesn't. They've got a, a nice little, I think, a one and a half game lead on Miami right now. Um, and obviously, you know, they're the top 10 team basically. Um, but the women also like have been on fire lately. They were, I was kind of like iffy on them at the start of the year, but I think they won four games in eight days. At one point they beat, they upset Georgia right. Tech the other night. I was looking at uh, Charlie cream. I think is still who does the women's bracketology for 
uh, ESPN.com. Um, and has one of the last four teams in playing in a play-in game. So they are, uh, they're, they're firmly in the mix for a tournament too. And it's been a, it's been a long time since basketball has had that, had a year where both those teams were, you know, not contenders obviously, but, but at least tournament teams. And, um, yeah, it's basically good to see that those two have turned around because you, you know, how good those two coaches are, right? Jim Laranega's, uh, Oh yeah. The winningest coaches in, in college basketball and Katie Myers, the winningest basketball coach in Miami history. And they both had a, a little rough patch there, but um, you know, it's fun to see when those teams really get rolling. It's really fun. It's really fun when, um, when different sports, you know, are, are suddenly emerging. It's very nice. Uh, and, and it helps everything, you know? Yeah. I, it hel- it helps the whole aura of the University of Miami, the U, whatever. It's it puts them more in the limelight, and uh, yeah, and with and with spring football coming up uh, in in a little more than a week, um, yeah, it should be. It's it, it feels like it's it's not slowing down. Yeah, crazy. We got spring football coming up that soon. I- didn't even quite realize that, but I guess you're right. I guess next week we'll come back and, and preview spring football. I'm pretty excited. We'll see what we're able to say. It doesn't sound like very much, but um, <laughs> obviously we'll that. see a spring game eventually uh, at, yes, uh, at Inter-Miami Stadium, which I don't think we've talked about on the podcast, but um, that will be uh, that's, announced it. By the way, right. yeah, that's a that's a you know they did the state football championships there, and it's a, it was a, a really good venue, I think, for football when you're expecting that size of you know you're not going to sell out Hard Rock, obviously, but um, obviously pretty centrally located, get people from all the way up in Palm Beach and all the way down in yeah. South Dade County uh, to uh, to watch that. And, um, there's going to be a lot of buzz, I think, around that spring game. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see that i'm not excited to not see any other practices but whatever we'll, well talk about that sure. yeah we don't know we'll yeah. we don't know yet well yeah. well don't let us know um and we'll see i'm i'm not especially hopeful but <laughs> as far as what we're going to be able to see but maybe maybe we will and maybe mario will i could see mario like having someday for fans right like, like a fan festival day like manny diaz used to always do yeah. yeah, something where the boosters get in. Get come watch. Yeah, exactly. So we'll yeah. see. Um, it'll be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week, though. Uh, until then, you can follow yeah. Susan on Twitter at S. Miller Degnan. Are you covering any baseball this weekend? Are you going to be down for any of the Harvard games? I don't think I'm doing any of those games. Um, but obviously, the following week will be the Gators, and that's that's a big the one. The Gators, I will be doing all the games. Yeah. Um, and uh, – Hopefully Harvard's not smart enough to figure out a way to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Uh, I've mostly been handling Panthers this week. They've been back after the all-star break, had a bunch of home games actually lost. I realized they lost at home the other night. and It was the first home loss I had covered all year. Our colleague Jordan McPherson happened to cover the other three home losses. So that's uh, that tells you about how good that team has been on home ice that we're Amazing. at the end of February and uh, we're in that spot. Um, but thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week.